calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Here's a quick question for you. How did you sleep last night? If your battle for a good night's sleep feels relentless, I have the answer. It's a podcast called Sleep Wave with meditations and hypnosis created to help you fall asleep. My relaxation techniques will help you feel calm and ready for sleep with soft music that will help you fall asleep in minutes. Most listeners never hear the end of an episode. So search Sleep Wave on your favorite podcast app and find out why over a million people have fallen asleep to my voice. Hey everyone, welcome to Let's Get Civical. This is the podcast that breaks down politics, government structure, and dives into the context of current events, but in a super fun way. I'm Lizzie Stewart, comedian, feminist, and political junkie. And I'm Arden Walentowski, former Senate intern, campaign staffer, and political strategist. In this episode, we're talking about the Lindbergh baby. So grab your ransom note. And let's get civical. Everybody. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Let's Get Civical. I am Lizzie Stewart. And I am Arden Walentowski. And I have no idea what's going on today. Arden has not told me what this episode is about yet. So we're all going to find out live. Every now and then we like to do this where Arden decides to be a little devious. And in the research, she decides on a topic and just surprises me with it. So it's like, you know, I'm trying to think of all of my favorite things. Like it could be an assassination. It could be uh-huh. something related to Lewis and Clark. It could be a shipwreck. Oh, my gosh. You know how much I oh love God. a shipwreck. It could be anything having to do with Teddy Roosevelt. Or it could be even something that I haven't even thought of. And I'm excited <laughs> to find out what this is on. <laughs> When I saw this come up as like a thing of the day, I was like, oh, absolutely. It is very much in the vein of a assassination shipwreck fire feel. Oh, okay. So uh, like a a crossover, if you will. It's a, it's a, yes. These are a few of my favorite things. Dun, 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 dun. Assassinations. (laughs) Teddy Roosevelt. 
very fucked up people. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Also, because when you see what it is, I hope you're like, and also, oh my God, we are fucked up people. I love it. I love it. Okay, you ready? I'm going to share it with you. I'm ready. Share it with me. Here it goes. In real time. Let's see. I'm waiting for the email to come through. Now we find out how quick Gmail is. This is correct. Wow. Wow. (laughs) Wow. You guys. You guys. (laughs) This is an excellent, excellent episode for me. So this just in, hot off the presses, although you probably know already what this episode is about because the title, but we're doing today's episode on the Lindbergh baby. The kidnapping. The kidnapping. This is so exciting. Yeah. I mean, it's not. Like, it's actually very troublesome. It's very Um, sad. (laughs) It's very sad. It's very sad. But I wouldn't in my dizziest daydreams have thought that this was what the episode was going to be on. And yeah. I'm I'm delighted because it's a crazy story. It's a crazy story. And it's like the story. I mean, I'm sure people, kids were being kidnapped before this, but it seems to be like the first one of like notoriety because it was Charles Lindbergh. Right. And it sparked yeah. a whole series. I mean, just the story alone about this and the number of ransom notes is insane. Yeah. Oh, but man. then the aftermath of like, like this is kind of how we got the FBI in a way, right. like you know, like that you could or that you could like this was what put it on their radar that like a famous person's child went missing, and now we investigate kidnappings. And now we investigate <laughs> kidnappings. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a Jean Benet of its time. It is. It is. Wow. I really was not expecting to come into this recording session and talk about. I know the Lindbergh baby, but we're going to do it. I am. We're going to do it. I'm so excited to dive into this story. I know, I know like the general things like I've seen mm-hmm. certain, I don't know, like documentary or clips or whatever, read stuff about the, what happened, but I don't know the ins and outs in full detail. Yeah. And I am really excited to learn more. So I think without any more BS, there's no, there's no like banter we can be doing right now. I say we just jump into this episode. I agree. So tell me about your sources for today. Oh my God. Oh my God. Well, first and foremost, the FBI. (laughs) I mean, which is this the first time? I mean, that we're using? I think it might be the first time unless it was like, I don't think we've ever done anything like this before. Unless we did an episode, and it's entirely possible, where we were like, a, a segment of the FBI operates like this. Oh, uh, well, I think, sure. No, no, no. I meant like you sure, You know what I mean? Yeah. But I think as like a fun source, at least, for sure. Yeah. Okay. The Minnesota Historical Society. Ooh, love. It didn't happen in Minnesota. I'm not really sure why Minnesota is super interested, although who would not be? But they had some great info. History.com. Obviously. Obviously. And PBS. Love. I love when we have PBS. Mm-hmm. Well-rounded. Well-rounded. Okay. Let's jump in. Let's start first with talking about the kidnapping of Charles Lindbergh's baby. Charles Augustus Lindbergh Jr., 20-month-old son of the famous aviator and Anne Morrow Lindbergh, was kidnapped at about 9 p.m. on March 1st, 1932 from the nursery on the second floor of the Lindbergh home near Hopewell, New Jersey. 
So, the, yeah, we're about to approach the anniversary. I don't want to mm-hmm. call. Oh, wait, it's going to come up. out on March 1st. Mm-hmm. Wow. You're good. I know. That's why I was like. You're good. <laughs> delivered. History.com, to this day in history, delivered. Right. <laughs> the child's absence was discovered and reported to his parents, who were then at home at approximately 10 p.m. by the child's nurse, Betty Gow. Charles Lindbergh later recounted his initial reactions, quote, I went upstairs to check the child's nursery, opened the door, and immediately noticed a lifted window. A strange-looking envelope lay on the sill. I looked at the crib. It was empty. I ran downstairs, grabbed my rifle, and went out into the night. So that's Charles Lindbergh writing down what he thought. One thing that is really curious to me about this, so like, Betty Gow, the nurse, discovers that this child is missing. And reports and is like, oh, my God. I, assuming she went upstairs to check on the sleeping child. And so she's like, oh, my God, yep. he's gone. How does Betty Gow not notice that the windowsill is open and that there's an envelope on the sill? Do you know what I mean? Like, how is it that it's Charles who discovers this? My guess is just that it was so shocking that the kid was not there. Mm, that she didn't that like assess. She was like, the baby's gone. And like, maybe went to go look for the baby. Mm. Like, that would be my, like, because he's old enough to walk. Like, he could probably climb if he was in a crib. Like, maybe yeah. he got out. But still, if you see an open window, like, cause, because he can yes, move, like, he could definitely probably walk around, like, oh. waddle around. If I see an open That's window and my child is not in his room, go to the window. Right. Go to the window. Betty. Right. This isn't your fault, Betty, but, like, go to the window. Go to the window. I think there was even, like, a brick or... Like something on top of the the first ransom note envelope so mm-hmm. that it wouldn't, you know, blow away. Sure. Uh, against an open window. Yeah. Right. Right. Interesting. Okay. The strange looking envelope that Charles Lindbergh found on the windowsill contained a badly written ransom note. Okay. I love the judgment. It's a bit oh, yeah. bad. It's a, ba- it's a it's badly bad. written. Quality, not great. The, I think the writing itself, not good. And I think, you know, the parchment was old. Sure. Chicken scratch is a descriptor that comes to mind, having seen the mm. ransom note photos mm. on the interwebs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I'm going to read what the ransom note says. Verbatim. Dear sir, have $50,000 ready, $25,000 in $20 bills, $15,000 in $10 bills, and $10,000 in $5 bills. After two to four days, we'll inform you where to deliver the money. We warn you for making anything public or for notifying the police. The child is in gut care. Indication for all letters are signature and three holds. And let me tell you when the spelling and grammar, I can't, I can't, I can't tell you, like, I can't read the spelling and grammar mistakes, but there are a lot. To me, this looks like. Somebody who either is not able to, like, is illiterate in some way or, like, mm-hmm. not fully literate or English is not their first language. So funny that you say that. Of course it is because so I'm already I'm solving the case. Already solving the case. You guys forget. Already solving the case. I am a detective. I know re- automatically there's two, we have two options. Or it could be, uh, I don't know. I think it's one of those two things. Yep. I'm like, or it could be a child, but that doesn't make sense. <laughs> By 10.30 that night, radio news bulletins were announcing the story to the nation. 
nearly every newspaper in the country gave the story prominent placement in their March 2nd edition. So literally next by the next day, it's in the papers. It's in the papers. Mm-hmm. I love that the ransom in note is like, do not copy. involve the police, say nothing. And Charles Lindbergh is like, let me do you one better. I'm going to have it put on the Washington Post. Heard of the New York Times? <laughs> Front page. <laughs> front page front page. you said don't tell anybody i'm telling everyone okay mm-hmm. heard right soon sightings of the Lindbergh baby were coming from all quarters california michigan mexico none turned out to be genuine after the hopewell police were notified the report was telephoned to the new jersey state police who assumed charge of the investigation the Lindberghs were inundated by offers of assistance and false clues even Al Capone offered his help from prison. If he was, Arden, let me tell you something right now. If Al Capone was in Alcatraz when he offered his assistance to the Lindbergh baby, I'm going to freak out. I'm going to freak out. You know what? I'm going to find out right now. That's easily find outable. Yeah. See when he was in prison. What year was this? 1932. Al Capone. Alcatraz. Stay. Oh, it was 1934. Oh, 1934, man. He went so close. So he was, he was so still on, on land when he made this offer. For three days, investigators found nothing, and there was no further word from the kidnappers. So in the span of 24 hours, we've had a lot happen, right? So a lot. Lindbergh baby goes missing. Mm-hmm. We arrive we being me and charles and arrive at the scene we find a note on the windowsill it's poorly written a lot of grammar mistakes very specific about the amount of money and how it should be given and they're like two to four days we will we will we'll be back we will keep you posted brb Charlesenberg's like, okay, I'm going to ignore every single threat in this letter. I'm going to get the police involved. The police get the state police involved and a full investigation Mm -hmm. begins. And at the same time, somebody goes to the press and is like, literally every single newspaper that ever existed, let the world know that the Lindbergh baby is kidnapped. Kidnapped. Now it's March 2nd. (laughs) Now it's March 2nd. Next day. So a couple days go by and the rest of the ransom notes start coming in. Hell yeah. Over a period of like a couple days, weeks. Yeah. Goes on for a while. There are so many ransom notes. I'm ready. Okay. So a second ransom note was received by Colonel Lindbergh on March 6th, 1932. So this is five days. So the kidnappers are already lying because they said two to four business days. Look, sometimes, sometimes you blow your deadlines. Sometimes you blow your deadlines. And it's been five days. So March 6, 1932. It was postmarked from Brooklyn, New York on March 4th. Okay, so technically they did make the deadline. He did. He the, Technically the kidnapper did make good on their promise to let, let them know how to get the money. The mail just took two days. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So in the note, the ransom demand was increased to $70,000. Okay, so it's a $20,000 increase. $20,000 increase. A police conference was then called by the governor at Trenton, New Jersey, which was attended by prosecuting officials, police authorities, and government representatives. It's like, you, we do this. This is what we do now. We see it. We see all of these people come together and they're like, we wish it's, uh, what do they, they always say, like, a, a statewide manhunt for. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
is underway. This is what we're doing. Underway, mm-hmm. statewide manhunt. We're underway. working closely with the FBI. Yeah. The third ransom note was received by Colonel Lindbergh's attorney two days later on March 8th, informing them that an intermediary appointed by the Lindberghs would not be accepted and requesting a note in a newspaper. On the same day, Dr. John F. Condon of the Bronx, New York, a retired school principal published in the Bronx Home News, an offer to act as a go-between and to pay an additional $1,000 ransom. Okay, okay. This okay. is where the story gets super weird and kind of yeah. crazy. I mean, it's already weird and kind of yeah. crazy. But this guy who, like, is of no relation to the Lindberghs, who's, like, just a dude. <laughs> yeah. Is like, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll bring the ransom money. I will take the ring to Mordor. <laughs> I will I will take it. Yeah. Um. I mean, I, I got a couple of thoughts swirling around in this old noggin. Number one. Yeah is I feel as though a standard should be set. One ransom note. One. One. Like, mm-hmm. too, too too many, too many. And, it, and it, it's like, if I like if I received more than like this many, I'd be like, okay, wait, hold on. Get clear. What do you want? Like, what right. do you want? And like, get what you want and move forward. But this is mm-hmm. this is wild. So that's one thought running running around is like I think there should be a standard. You get one ransom note and make it count. Right. Make it count. Right. I also love that they're going through the snail mail, which of course they had no other option at the time. Right. But it's just and they're being nitpicky. <laughs> just cracking me up. They're being nitpicky. Yeah. They're like, we don't like this I know. guy. No, choose I somebody don't else. Want him to be the intermediary. Somebody I don't like else. him. And 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 mm-hmm. while we're here, I want I want spot in the newspaper. Mm-hmm. I want an editorial. I want to write an op-ed. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, Dr. Doctor John F. Condon from the Bronx being like, I know you guys were asking. I will take it. And it's not that he contacts the police directly. He's like, I'm just going to publish something in a newspaper saying, I'll do it. Right. <laughs> and and I'll let them come to me. Imagine, like, I would even, I would never even consider being like, I think I should be the person to go mm-hmm. and um liaise between the right. kidnappers of the Lindbergh baby and the Lindbergh family never would have crossed my mind to your credit you have solved the murder of John Benet Ramsey right and have taken out no ads i will say proclaiming... i would be amazing like if there's anybody right. who wants an intermediary between kidnappers or like any people i think i'm very i would be very good for that position however i, I agree. would not I'm offer only, if that makes sense. Right. I'm not auditioning for this role. No, no. No, no, no. Okay, so we're up to three ransom notes. Number one is 50,000. Number two is 70,000. And number three is I don't like your intermediary guy. Correct. Okay. Yes. So the following day, there's a fourth note received by our beloved Dr. Condon, who is elected to be the intermediary. And it indicates... That he would be an acceptable go-between. Wow. I love, and like, I, I I can't, I just imagine since this was like less than 24 hours apart, like, did the Lindbergh family be like, yeah, this sounds good? Or did the kidnappers just be like, oh yeah, he's good. We'll, we'll choose him. And then the Lindbergh family's like, what? What? <laughs> I don't know this guy. I feel like the doctor is just out here like pissing on trees, being like, mm-hmm. I'm it. I'm it. It's and me. everybody else is like, oh, okay. Hi. Oh, okay. 
I'm intermediary. A tea <laughs> time. Okay. Love it. So we have number four. Dr. Condon is on. He's the guy. Carry on. He's the guy. So Colonel Lindbergh approves of this. Great. He's on board. About March 10th, 1932. So it's been nine days from the kidnapping. Mm -hmm. And at this point in the kidnapping, most people today would be like, this baby is dead. Because this this person is not somebody who is interested in keeping this kid alive. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, that's why kidnappings are, like, ransoms are tough, because I do think that there are some scenarios in which people, all people want is money. And, like, it is a 20-month-year-old, you know, which, so it adds, like, it's not like somebody, like, it's not like a grown-up, you know? I think, like, if this was a, or or even, like, an older, like, teen, which I think would be, I feel like universally like a, a a baby is like the right. ultimate like pure thing so i can right. i can see how there's hope especially since there's still communication and that they're still, still trying to get money and yes. the only way they're going to get money is if they provide the child in theory this or at true. least i hope i mean i don't know how, we're about to find out how these negotiations go but i would assume that you don't get to see any money until we see that the child is well and alive. Okay. Keep going. Keep going. Let's go. Let's go. Let's rock and roll. Let's see if that happens. I swear to God, if Dr. Condon blows this negotiation, I'm going to flip over my desk. Keep going. Oh my God. Okay. So it's been approved by Lindbergh that Dr. Condon is a great intermediary. So on March 10th, he receives, Dr. Condon receives $70,000 in cash as ransom. He gets mm-hmm. the money mm-hmm. and immediately started negotiations for payment through newspaper columns using the code name JAFSI, J-A-F-S-I-E. I this is fantastic. Just I just feel like, <laughs> I mean, maybe it was a requirement by the kidnappers that the negotiation be done this way? Or maybe there's real... I mean, I guess if you're Dr. Condon, there is no way to contact the kidnappers other than the newspaper. But still, like, how do you land on Jaffsy? Like, what does Jaffsy stand for? I know. For? I, have, I have so many questions that were oh. not answered by the FBI, and I'm just going to go out on a limb and say they either don't know yeah. or they're not willing to share. I get it. I get it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So at about 8.30 on March 12th, 8.30 in the evening, after receiving an anonymous telephone call, Dr. Condon received the fifth ransom note delivered by Joseph Perone, uh-huh. a taxi cab driver who received it from an unidentified stranger. I just. I just. I mean. I just. I like, just. how is this not a movie? This is insane. I Has this not been? I mean, it is insane. I can't. Like, where's Martin Scorsese? Like, I feel like he would make exactly. a meal out of this Oh, my story. gosh. Yes. Yeah. I feel, I do feel as though if somebody, if an unidentified person hands you something to deliver to somebody else, don't. Or or take it to the cop. Like, do anything but the deliver TSA it to the person. has told us that that's bad. It's bad. It's bad. If you see something, say something. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's been near 11 days. We 11 days, five ransom notes 
Mm-hmm. And just to review, first ransom note is $50,000. Second is $70,000. Third is we don't like your intermediary. Fourth is we approve of this random guy from the Bronx to be your intermediary. And the fifth, you're about to say what the fifth is, is, is delivered by the taxi cab driver and contains this message. So the message stated that another note would be oh found God. beneath the. I know. <laughs> another note would be found beneath a stone at a vacant stand, a hundred feet from an outlying subway station, like a vacant newspaper stand at an outlying subway mm-hmm. station, is where the note that the taxi cab driver yeah. gives Doctor Con. Like that's where that note says to go. This is just like. It's um, really a scavenger hunt. It's, it's just a scavenger, a scavenger hunt. hunt. It reminds me of that part in The Emperor's New Groove, which is a perfect film. Where oh my God. Yzma perfect is like, film. I will turn him into a bug. Oh no, a flea, a tiny little flea. And then I'll put that flea in a box. And then I'll put that box inside of another box. And then I'll mail that box to myself. Aha! And then I'll smash it with a hammer. Like, that's what this feels like. Just like. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. So the fifth note tells us where the sixth note is. That's the whole purpose of the fifth note is to tell you that not only is this not the end of the notes, there's another note under a rock. There's another note. It's coming up. There's another note. Awesome. So the the, the sixth note was found as Condon had indicated. Following instructions in the sixth note, the one at the subway station, Mm -hmm. the doctor met an unidentified man who called himself John. Okay. At Woodlawn Cemetery, near 233rd Street and Jerome Avenue. Okay. Okay, finally. I I mean, I just, I feel like this could have been in the fifth note or the fourth right. <laughs> or sort of the first. You know, again, <laughs> kill, your dar- kill your darlings is, is what this is. Like, edit, 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 people. Yeah. But okay, we finally have a meeting point to get to the get to the nitty gritty. I'm like, don't they want their money? Yeah. Get to it. Yeah, I get to it. Which he has the money. The amazing thing is, is that the doctor, self-elected mm-hmm. intermediary, mm-hmm. has the money. He's he got $70,000. It's like this kid, like I could give it to you right now if you give me the kid. If you bring right. the kid. Bring the kid. Just bring the kid. Get the money. Yeah. So Condon discusses with this man who calls himself John, the payment of the ransom money. The stranger agreed to furnish a token of the child's identity. Condon was accompanied by a bodyguard, except while talking to, quote, John. So the doctor has like a bodyguard lurking well, yeah, around the cemetery. You can't go to a meeting for about a kidnapping <laughs> ransom without a, a buddy. Hello. <laughs> if anybody is going to be an intermediary <laughs> between a kidnapper and the family... You can't go alone. Bring somebody That's with true. some muscle. Bring a bodyguard. Bring, Bring a, buddy. a bodyguard. Also, also, I have such, I have such, such a problem with the stranger. Like, the doctor should have been like, I need to see the child. Like, you have to show me the child or show me that the child right. is alive. I, I don't need an article of his clothes. I don't need a necklace. Like... People just people don't know what they're doing. I know, I know. I they they they're, it's clearly they have not been around this rodeo before. They have not seen yeah 
unsolved mysteries and cops and all of the movies about kidnapping they have not seen don't say a word so they they don't know they don't know right because it's so easy i mean like even even if they don't because I'm trying to think of, like, why a, an article would be better than seeing the child itself. And, like, I can't think of it. Like, you have to ask to see proof of I, the child or the person who has been right. kidnapped. That they are alive right. currently. Right. And I don't know if they just were like, this is a good stepping point because we seem to be okay with taking very small steps along the process to getting this baby back. Yeah. If that was just, like, a, let's see if what happens if we ask for this. Who knows? We're going to take a quick break for a little word from our sponsors. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. So... A baby's sleeping suit, a token of identity of the child, and a seventh ransom note were received by our beloved Dr. Condon on March 16th for, if you're keeping track at home, that is 15 days from the kidnapping, two weeks, two, two weeks, weeks, this baby seven has been missing. ransom notes. And we've, and, and, and the only, and the evidence that they've given for the child is a sleeping sack. Yeah. Obviously it's. It ends up being the kids. But again, this doesn't prove that the kid is alive. What are you paying no. for? He just pro- It just proves that this person is the kid- one that yeah. has that the baby. kidnap him. Yeah. Right. Right. So the sleeping suit is delivered to Colonel Lindenberg and later identified as the babies. Our beloved doctor continues taking out advertisements. Great. I mean, In the newspaper. Just- this is the only way he's communicating. I'm just like, go go off. Go off. Go off. Go off. I mean, truly, it's like, I think Dr. Condon is doing a fair job so far. I think where everybody seems, fucks yes. up, including the family, including, like, police, who I assume are involved in this as well, yes. is not asking for proof that the child is alive. Right. So... If you thought we were done with the notes, you're wrong. The the eighth ransom note was received by Condon on March 21st, insisting on complete compliance and advising that the kidnapping had been planned for a year. (laughs) We've, if you think (laughs) that we have not prepared for every possible outcome, you are out of your mind. Wrong. This is thorough work. Wrong. We've been planning this for a year. 
And again, I'm just like, okay, we didn't need it because it doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't matter if this has been played no, no. for a year or for two weeks. I'm like, you guys did it. You kidnapped yep. the kid successfully. Yep. Now you're just talking to hear yourself talk. You're ransoming noting yes. just to hear yourself ransom note. Mm-hmm. Okay, so quick review of all the ransom notes once again, because this has oh now my become my favorite thing. So the first ransom note is $50,000. Second ransom note is $70,000. Third ransom note is we don't like the guy you chose to be your intermediary. Fourth ransom note is we like the guy from the Bronx who's like, I'll do it. Fifth ransom note is to let them know that there is a sixth <laughs> ransom note hidden under yes. a rock. Mm -hmm. Seventh ransom note is what comes with the baby suit, proving that we have the actual Lindbergh baby. And then the eighth ransom note is saying that you got to comply because we've been doing this for a year. <laughs> <laughs> it's like 50 shades of ransom notes here. This is like. It's, it's exactly right. Hey. Okay. On March 29th. So this is now obviously almost a month after the initial kidnapping. Betty Gao, the Lindbergh nurse, found the infant's thumb guard worn at the time of the kidnapping near the entrance to the estate. The following day, the ninth, the ninth ransom note mm -hmm. was received by Condon, threatening to increase the demand to $100,000 and refusing a code for use in newspaper columns. So that's big. We have our first piece of physical evidence that the child yes. was like taken off the property, which is in the form of a thumb guard. And then another, a, a ninth note basically saying, you're going to have to pay more money. And we don't like the newspaper uh -huh. stuff. No. Okay. Even though we've been doing it, we're done with the newspaper stuff. Oh my God. The 10th ransom note. Received by Dr. Condon on April 1st, 1932. So this is exactly one month to the day that the Lindbergh baby yep. was taken. The 10th note instructed him to have the money ready the following night, to which Condon replied by an ad in the press. The 11th ransom <laughs> was delivered to Condon on April 2nd, the next day, by an unidentified taxi driver, again with the taxi drivers, <laughs> who said he received it from an unknown man. So a different taxi driver. A different a taxi different driver. different taxi driver. Do you think that the kidnapper is just like flagging down taxis and being like, here's two bits. Please take yes. this note to Dr. Condon in the Bronx. Yeah, I and think the, the taxi the drivers, taxi drivers like, have no cool. idea what they're doing. They're just like, okay, here, like they probably are paying them like a crazy amount of money. Like here's a here's a $100 right. bill in 1932. Deliver this to this address. And they're like, okay. Okay. <laughs> sure. And then it finds out, oh, it's the 10th okay. ransom note. My Yikes. God. Dr. Condon then found the 12th ransom note under a stone in front of a greenhouse at 3225 East Tremont Avenue in the Bronx, as instructed by the 11th note. So once again, the 11th note, much like the fifth note, mm -hmm. was a note basically telling you where to find another note. Yes. Shortly thereafter, on the same evening, followed by the instructions contained in the 12th note, Condon again met whom he believed to be, quote, John, to reduce the demand to 50000 so these notes, okay, so so notes, 
9 through 12 are as follows. No, 10 through 12 are as follows. So the 10th basically is like, tomorrow you're going to have to pay. Then an 11th one shows up the next day and is like, there's another note. Go to this address and find it. And the 12th note is like, meet me at this address today. And that's, and now we, and now we're there to make, yeah, to basically initially we're to go back to where we started, which is to a $50,000 ransom instead of not 70, not a hundred thousand back down to 50,000. Right. We've, we've come nowhere except we now have a sleep suit. And we do, well, we know, we know that they have at least something that belongs to the Lindbergh baby. Right. So Dr. Condon's meeting with John. The demand is 50000 This amount was handed to the stranger in exchange for a receipt. <laughs> this is according to the FBI. I know they it's got according a receipt to the FBI. For the yeah. ransom. You have is it tax deductible? Oh, my God. So in exchange for a receipt. And the 13th note... Containing instructions to the effect that the kidnapped child could be found on a boat named Nellie near Martha's Vineyard, Massachusetts. The stranger then walked north into the park woods. The following day, an unsuccessful search for the baby was made near Martha's Vineyard. The search was later repeated. Dr. Condon was positive that he would recognize John, the the basically mystery man who he's been he's been mediating with if he ever saw him again. So 13 notes later, they've given over money in exchange for a receipt and a location that has proven to not have the child. Yeah. This is not good negotiations and mediations, not FBI trained and led. I'm just. But I can't imagine good. that like. I can't imagine that Dr. Condon was just acting on his own accord. Like I'm, he must have gotten oh. the blessing of the family and by, and oh. by extension, the police who are working police. the investigation to be like, OK, we have the sleep suit. Definitely give over the money. Right, right. <laughs> Just get a receipt. <laughs> <laughs> Just get a receipt. Just be sure you no, get a receipt. I mean, they clearly had no idea, like, how to do this stuff. Because they were, like, I mean, it's, like, shot in the dark. Because also, you don't, like, if the if the kidnapper is, like, it's now $100,000, like, you would never be, like, 50. I'll give you 50 for the baby. Like, that's right. just... <laughs> well, I, sh- I mean, I wouldn't give... It's just, I can't... I cannot get over the fact that... They handed over the money when the only proof that they ever got that the child was like still on this earth was a sleep suit. Yeah. I'm like you because that was because the money is your only bargaining chip. Yes. That's all you have. That's all you have. You only have one hand to play. And you have to make it count. It's like it's like. If you watch RuPaul's Drag Race, you have one opportunity to do an amazing, amazing reveal. And if you blow it or if you do it too early and you don't have anything else in your back pocket, then you're not going to win the lip sync. If only they had listened to RuPaul. Crazy. Crazy. 
13 ransom notes. Yes. Wow. To basically get nowhere. To basically get to where you are $50,000 poorer and you don't have the baby. Mm -hmm. And you don't have the baby. So let's talk about what happened to the baby. After an exhaustive search, however, there was no sign of either the boat or the child. Yep. Soon, right? Soon after, the baby's body was discovered near the Lindbergh mansion. Mm-hmm. He had been killed the night of the kidnapping and was found less than a mile from home. Mm. The heartbroken Lindberghs ended up donating the mansion to charity and moved away. See, I didn't know this. I thought the baby never was never found. I didn't know that they actually found the baby. That's sad. They found the, yeah, they found the baby. I mean, I, yeah, like what kidnapper is keeping a 20-month-old alive for a month? Sure. Sure. No, the, I mean, the, it's like, it's like the, the first 48 hours after somebody's yeah. murdered. Like, you just, so many things change after mm-hmm. the first couple of days, and you really gotta hope that you find them in the first couple of days. Yeah. Especially this young, I mean. Oh my god. But, yeah. Oi. Talking about... Also, did we not look near the house? Did we not look, like, did we not... We're, we're hunting for notes. Did we not hunt for the child? Did we not look around? Well, I wonder. Or do you, you know, think he got the money and was like, okay, you can have your kid back, but your kid's dead? No, I mean, I I think that, I don't know. I would assume that the communication with the kidnappers ended after the 13th ransom note. I, I, I'm I'm curious, and we would have to do more digging. I'm curious yeah. if like... They didn't do a ton of, like, extensive searching around the house because of the note. And they're like, the kid's not here. And right. then somebody maybe stumbled upon it, the the body, you know, the body. accidentally. And it's like, you know, back in, it's not like they have bloodhounds. They don't have no things that could, like, help you identify, especially if it's something so small. It's not, it's not, you know... Yeah. Big. So it could have been that, like, animals got to it and, like, rough, like, brought it back up to the surface. Like, I I don't know. But I can see a world in which, because this this whole story, why it's so tragic, is that it's full of, like, naivete, like, around what to do. And so I wouldn't be surprised if they took the letter at face value and they're like, the kid isn't here. You know, right. and, and they the probably did alive. like a surface area, like everybody right. fan out he, and then confirm. Right, right. He's Make not sure here. he has neck, you know, because right. they think that he's alive because the letter they think says he's, that alive he's alive and they. So you're not right. looking at the ground. Right. You're not looking for like a possible like quick bury to cover up a body. Right. You're looking for an actual or you're listening for an actual living 20 month year old baby. Right. Mm. Sad. Yeah. So let's talk about the aftermath. Yes. I definitely don't know any of this. When last we left Dr. Condon and the mysterious man named John in the Bronx, they had exchanged money for a receipt. Mm -hmm. And John has walked away. So he has the money and Dr. Condon obviously does not have a baby. Yep. So serial numbers from the money used to pay the ransom had been carefully recorded despite Lindbergh's initial reluctance. Huh. Like, he didn't even want to track the money. Oh. 
Charles. Which makes no, which doesn't really, that makes even less sense to me than like, I'm not going to give you money, like not demanding to see the kid being okay with seeing a sleep suit in exchange for money. Why would you not track the money? Like you would never, like the kidnapper would never know that. Right. Yeah. It seems like, it seems like a weird thing to double down on. You know, if anything, I'd be like, why? Okay. Like, right. Right. Sure. You know, but to be like, I don't want to, I don't want to track the money. Maybe he thought it would put the kid in more harm. I don't know. Or that they would come back. I don't know. It has, I I mean, obviously it's something to do with fear. So who's to say? Yeah. The first bill surfaced in New York only three days after the ransom was paid. And over the next two years, more and more would appear. Yes, because this dude has $50,000. It's a lot of bills. In 1932. In cash. In cash. Slowly, the authorities move forward. So they're tracking these numbers. They're honing in on who this might be. The kidnapping looked like it would go unsolved until September of 1934, when a marked bill from the ransom turned up. Suspicious of a driver who had given it to him, a gas station attendant who accepted the bill wrote down this dude's license plate number. So if you see something, say something. Say something. So there's a gas station attendant who a a, a, a creepy looking dude buys gas from him, gives him a dollar bill. The gas station attendant, rightfully or wrongly, is like, I don't like the look of that guy. Don't like it. Writes down his license plate, and it's tracked back to a German immigrant. Mm-hmm. Say more. Mm-hmm. Say more. So tracked back to a German immigrant named Bruno Hauptmann. When his home was searched by the authorities, detectives found $13,000 of Lindbergh's ransom money. Mm-hmm. So pretty, pretty, pretty Talk clear, about a pretty hard to run gun. away from that. Yep. Yes. It's not mine. <laughs> I don't know what that is. I wanted it to track. I've never seen that <laughs> pile of cash before. <laughs> it used to be bigger. <sighs> Hopman's trial began in January of 1935 and quickly became a media circus. Both Charles and Ann Lindbergh took the stand as witnesses, as did the ransom go-between John F. Condon, Known as Jeffsy. Yeah, really we know. We know, know old Jeffsy. What? <laughs> Jeffsy. Oh my God. This is crazy. I really want to find a picture of this doctor. I hope he's kind of nerdy looking. We'll look it up once we get through the trial. Great. Condon identified Hauptmann as the man to whom he had paid the ransom. Other crucial testimony came from a wood scientist. Hell yeah. Yep who examined the ladder and concluded that parts of it matched pieces of lumber from Hauptmann's attic. Okay. Okay. Three weeks into the trial, a visibly nervous Hauptmann took the stand. Though he admitted to lying to the police, he continued to profess his innocence. When he took the stand, he denied all involvement with the crime. He went on to say that he had been beaten by police and forced to alter the way he wrote so that his handwriting matched that found on the ransom note. Okay. Love it. Testimony ended in early February of 1935. Following 11 hours of deliberation, the jury found Hauptmann guilty of murder in the first degree. I mean, you got the ransom money. Yeah. It's like, it's one thing. Sure. If you want to, if you want to try to play the whole, like, police are making me do this and match my handwriting to the ransom note. 
For sure, for for sure. But that's not that's not why you're here, my guy. The whole reason we're here is because there's thirteen thousand dollars of Lindbergh yeah. ransom money in your house. Yeah, that's that's yeah. what you got to explain away. Because we can debunk yeah. a wood scientist, but we cannot debunk why you have thirteen thousand dollars of ransom money in your house. You got it from somewhere. So if you, you got do, it, if from you're somewhere. not the creepy guy John that our beloved doctor was talking to you got it from somebody so throw that person under the bus yeah it's not like it's a thousand dollars that you could be like oh somebody paid me this like i don't know it is thirteen thousand dollars it is a pile of cash right in today's money that's a pile of cash this is 1935 yeah it's it's a pile of cash it's a pile of cash hoptman was sentenced to death at the end of, so they deliberated for 11 hours. The jury found him guilty and sentenced him to death. At 8.44 p.m. on April 3rd, 1936, Bruno Richard Optman was put to get put to death in the electric chair. Yikes. Right up to that moment, doubts about Optman's guilt existed. Appeals were made all the way to the Supreme Court, but none were successful. The governor of New Jersey himself voiced doubts about the verdict. Hmm. Which is interesting because he had the money. He did have the money. Following his death, some reporters and independent investigators came up with numerous questions regarding the way the investigation was run and the fairness of the trial. I wonder if they think maybe the money was planted, if that's Mm. why, like, like they didn't really find the money. Sure. But then what? But if you wrote down all the serial numbers, you would have to have the money to plant. Like, it wouldn't have been money that was given to the kidnapper if the police still had it and planted it. You know what I mean? Well, they would have written down the numbers before it was given. Right. I don't know. I mean, yeah. I Look, I am always open to a conspiracy. Always. Mm-hmm. I do. I, I am. But I am curious as to the doubts. I want to know what the doubts are. For sure. Yes. Poke holes in this. Let's go. Questions were raised concerning issues ranging from witness tampering to the planting of evidence. Go. Yep. Twice. Twice during the 1980s. Anna Hauptman sued the state of New Jersey for the unjust execution of her husband, and both times the suits were dismissed. Sure. Sure. I feel like when you make the movie about this, yeah. you start in 1980 with an old woman walking to a courthouse. Yes. I think that's how it starts. Case dismissed. Credit yep. sequence starts. Yep. Wow. All right, let's talk about the aftermath. Let's close this puppy up. The Lindbergh kidnapping case led the U.S. Congress to pass the Federal Kidnapping Act, also known as the Lindbergh Law. This act made kidnapping a federal offense and allowed federal investigators the authority to pursue kidnappers across state jurisdictions. The public fascination with the Lindbergh kidnapping case continues to this day, with many books, movies, documentaries, and websites devoted to a wide spectrum of conspiracy theories and alternate readings of the evidence and the trial's conclusions. I mean, it's like, who killed JFK? Who killed JFK? Like, we may never know. Yeah. And we may never know who took the Lindbergh baby, if it was the Lindbergh baby. Bruno or not. I can't imagine. This is my thing of like, if it or isn't it Bruno, like, not sold. Again, you got to explain the money to me, and I am open for it to be like a plan. But I also fully don't see how this was a one guy job. I, I the only way I think it's a one guy job is if he literally if, is if he 
took the baby, kill, basically killed the baby right away and then dumped it and then just communicated with the doctor and was the one, like, I, I, I can. I can put, I can See post way. kidnapping, but like the kidnapping itself, I'm like, you, you're going to get, you're just, you is going to climb a second story house without anybody watching out. And then why does he only have 13? That like, where's the rest of the money? Like, it, did he spend, do the math, $37,000? Did he spend $37,000? Well, he might over the course, it was like two years. So like by the time they In caught him, maybe it was like- In 1932, that's so much money. I know, I know. $37,000? That's a lot of money. I mean, maybe he was part of like the German mafia. Is that a thing mm. that exists? I think there's mafia everywhere. Yeah. I totally believe there's German mafia. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Let's look up what Dr. John Condon looks like. Oh my God, let's do it. Let's see. And then look up a picture of the baby because he is really cute. Honestly, it's exactly what I expected him to look like, the doctor. Does he, to me, in my mind, he looks like Charlie Chaplin. No. He's older. Oh. Oh. This is, this is what oh, I right, because he thought. was retired. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. Lindbergh baby's cute. <laughs> Lindbergh baby's cute. He real cute. Oh my. Did you see the picture of, of Bruno? Hmm. No. Look up Bruno. I, I really hate to say it. Is he hot? He's hot. Ah! It's really bad. Oh, I see. Or at it. least yeah. in his mugshot, oh, yeah. he's attractive. Yeah. Man. You, we never want this to be the case. No. No. He's so much younger than I thought he would be. Oh, 36. Yeah, 36 when he died. Wow, yeah. Wow. Wow. Okay. You guys, this story has so many twists and turns. So many twists and turns. Oh my God. Is this a picture of put... There's literally a picture of in the MoMA, from the MoMA, of when they're putting him in the electric chair. Oh my God. This is crazy. It's literally the Met.com and you can find this picture. Which we will not be posting on our Instagram because that is way oh too God. dark. I mean, it's not it's not graphic. It's literally them just like strapping him in. But it's like, what? The Met? Oh, my God. I see it. Yeah. Holy shit. Crazy. This is a crazy wow. story. <gasps> this is a really oh wild story. God. Look. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. You guys... We're going to end with that. We're going to end with that because how can we possibly say anything else? Um, Lessons learned here for sure. One ransom note is fine. One ransom note is fine. It's, you know, get what you need to get across in one ransom Mm -hmm. note. Mm -hmm. Not 13. 13 ransom notes. Muddies the water. Yeah. And I just think at the end of the day, don't kidnap anybody. Don't do that. No. Don't do that. Don't be, don't, don't do that. Don't be a, an asshole, evil person. No. But in the meantime, uh, we love you so, so much. And if you like what you heard, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Let's Get Civical. As always, please rate, review, and subscribe to us. We love you so, so much. And we will see you next Wednesday. 
Goodbye.